Yeah. If you're a guest with us today, I want to welcome you to Triumph. I want to tell you that there's a guest card looks just like this. should be in the seat back pocket in front of you. It says Encounter God, Experience Triumph on it. tells you a little bit about who we are, how you can get connected while, we're, while you're here, what you can expect. And on the right-hand portion, the third portion, it says Connection Card. If you would be so kind as to fill that out and drop it in the offering plate, it would really help us to be able to connect with you, see how we can help you. Thank you for your visit, and uh, just maybe get a chance to pray with you or see what's going on in your life. And uh, so, Triumph, why don't we take a moment and welcome all of our guests that are here with us this morning. And then I want to welcome all of our family that's watching.
This one who did have insurance, thank God. But now the problem is FEMA came in, paid them their policy limits for their, for their flood insurance and said, you're good to rebuild. But then the city came back in and said, no, you can't rebuild because we've decided that this is the line that you have to be above this, this elevation to rebuild and they're six inches below it. So they said, you have three options. You can either move your house. Now, mind you, it's about a 2,800 square foot, two-story home on a slab. How do you move that house? You don't. They said, okay, well, then you can raise it six inches. How, how do you raise it without destroying everything? You can't. They said, okay, then you have to tear everything down and rebuild. And so they, already they've lost everything, and now they're facing like, okay, we have money, but we... We don't have enough money to rebuild. We don't have enough money to tear down. And we could put our house back together. We, could never, we can't save any of our stuff, but we can at least put our house back together. But now the city won't even let us. And these are the extremes that we're dealing with. Um, as the storm blew up in our, in our city, and, it, and they, we, all night long we are evacuating people from, from Beaumont down to Port Arthur over, and, and then over in Divider over the next three or four days. It's about a week-long period where people were being rescued and pulled out of attics and uh, many they didn't get out, and um, it's just been a terrible thing. And uh, one of the longest nights of my life was being flooded in, couldn't get out, and yet our people are are texting us and posting us on Facebook, begging for rescue, and we're trying to connect rescuers to um, our, our single moms and elderly people who are sitting in wheelchairs and can't get out. And so we finally got out the next day. Um, and we opened both of our campuses as temporary staging areas. So when they're bringing people out of the floodwaters, drop them here, and then they were gonna take them to the shelters from there. Well, in Beaumont, that was working well. And we were able to feed people. We started giving them every bit of dry clothes we could find. People all over the area now have Triumph t-shirts. They've got shirts that say, I can help, and the whole thing. We're like, we don't even care. And, and we went to Walmart, bought all the food we could buy, and just started feeding people. And that one was working well. They were taking them to shelters, but in Port Arthur, they weren't. And so we started with, with 20 people. They called us from Walmart and said, there's 20 people in the parking lot we can't take care of. Yeah, and by the way, the Needleton Church was flooded all, all at the same time. So there's standing water all in, my, in the campus. And so it starts with 20 people. And the next thing I know, somehow word got out. And they are dropping people off in trailer loads and boat loads, 20 and 30 and 40 at a time, two trailers on each end of the building at the same time. Now, we have no food, we have no supplies, we have nothing. We literally went and cleaned out the nurseries. We got every animal cracker and goldfish we could find. I'm not even joking with you. We're looking at it. You can put it all on like one little table, a couple of chairs right here. You can stack it all, and we're like, okay. And next thing you know, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. We don't even know how to count them all. Somewhere, in, because some of them came and left and, and came through, and uh, some of them would just take off walking back into Port Arthur, determined to get back to their house, and yet the water was across the street from the church. You can't get anywhere. They're, they were docking boats across the street from the church. We, we estimate somewhere around a thousand people came through our church in a matter of hours. We raced to Walmart. They won't let us in. I send one of my people over there. I said, you go tell them we're coming in and we're going to buy everything we can. And we, we bought peanut butter and jelly. We bought like every loaf of bread we could find. And volunteers just started showing up and making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They made thousands of them. And we're just feeding people. People hadn't eaten in 24 hours or, or longer while they've been sitting on their roofs and in their attics. And so we're just feeding people and feeding people. 
and it's blowing up. They're just, they're, they're dropping people off faster than we can get set down. We fill up the entire foyer, which we had gotten dried by that point. We fill up the entire balcony, every room we have upstairs that was dry. Next thing you know, they're like, what do we do, Pastor Ann? We can't take anymore. I'm like, well, we're about to take some more because they keep dropping them off. And these people have nowhere to go, so, so find a place. So we just start, there's pews in the sanctuary. Sanctuary is holding water, and they're just sitting on the pews. And the, now, so now the sanctuary is full. And somehow, God just started providing. And people started showing up with clothes and, and food and water. And we went, we bought all we could, but there was nothing at Walmart to buy. And so people are just bringing stuff. At one point, somebody brought a stack of Domino's pizzas. I didn't even know Domino's pizza was open. They brought a stack of pizzas like this. I still don't even know where they came from. I just know it was manna from the Lord. That's all I know. And so we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. They're everywhere. You, you, and my staff is trying to figure out what to do. My, my campus pastors are flooded in, in their house in Finette. I'm getting them out on an airboat while I'm trying to run this operation. I got half my staff in Beaumont running the operation up there. And um, I don't know what we're showing pictures of right now. That's the Beaumont campus right there. You can see these army trucks you've seen all over TV. And that's a small load of people right there. We, they were just, they were drunk, just, it was unbelievable. So a, a couple of crazy things happened. Um, during the day, I was racing from one campus to the other because this camp, the Beaumont campus had not flooded, but another dam broke, and it looked like it was about to flood. So I'm racing over there trying to figure out what's going on. And, and as I do, on our group meet page of our, of our staff, somebody posted something about some kids being separated from their parents. But it went in, and I hardly read it, and, and I was so focused on, uh, on leading and, and coordinating that I didn't think about it anymore. So a few hours later, I'm back in, in Nederland, and I get a random phone call. Don't even know who the lady is. She's like, I'm so-and-so from some police department somewhere, and I'm looking for some missing kids. And I'm like, missing kids, ma'am? I got a thousand people in this room. I don't even know where they came from or who they are. And one lady's got amnesia and she has no idea of anything. We don't know where she's coming from or she has no identity, no phone, nothing. We don't even know. And she's like, I know, but I'm looking for some missing kids. Their name is like Eglin or something like this is their last name. I'm like, and it hits me. Wait a minute. I read something about some missing kids. I didn't even know that they were at our church. So I said, call me back in five minutes. I race inside. I start asking around. And sure enough, we have three missing kids. Five, four, and three. And I go upstairs, and the, the lady, and now, but now I can't get the lady back on the phone because I don't even know who called me. Finally, she calls me back, and she's like, she's like, Pastor Clark, I have the father here. So I go upstairs, and I put the dad on speakerphone, and I said, I said to the kids, what's your name, what's your name, what's your name? I said, okay. I've got somebody that wants to talk to you. I put him on speakerphone, and when they heard their dad's voice, if you ever watched the movie The Impossible where the dad was chasing and looking for his kids after the tsunami, that's what we lived right there. And, and just in just a matter of minutes, we sent somebody, we got the dad, and we reconnected a family, and this father was desperately looking for his three babies. And uh, it was just the, the sovereignty of God that, that pulled them together. I don't know how she got my number. I have no idea who the lady was. But somehow she got my number and we found them. So we start trying to funnel people to, we finally, all the um, disaster of the uh, relief, excuse me just a second, all the shelters were closed. Locking the doors because they can't take anymore. 
locking the doors. So I finally hear of another shelter opening up. And so they're saying they're not going to thank you. Yeah, you might want to leave the box. <laughs> so um, are y'all okay? Is it all right if I just talk for a minute? Uh, okay. I, I might preach to you, I might not, but uh, I can tell you this. I'm going to need you to pray for me before we leave. Will that be all right? Okay. So uh, I hear that this shelter is opening up, but the shelter is saying don't send anybody because this place is already spoken for. And I'm like, I don't care. I've got a thousand people here, nothing to feed them, and I don't, I, no, no dry anything. So we get our three little church vans, the daycare vans, and we start hauling people as fast as we can haul them to Beaumont to the shelter and dropping them off. They're like, don't send any more. We're like, we don't care. We're just, well, this isn't going fast enough. So one of my staff posts on Facebook, hey, we need drivers. So some of my church people start showing up when, you know, I can take four, I can take five, I can take seven, whatever they have. And we just, we're just driving. It's still not going fast enough. The shelter is filling up. And once they fill up these shelters, they literally lock the doors and they leave people standing outside because they can't take them anymore. And so we're pumping people as fast as we can, as fast as we can. So my brother-in-law, uh, Pastor Ryan Lewis, who's our campus pastor in Beaumont, he goes out to the street behind the church. This, this is so funny. He goes out to the street behind the church because they're still trying to drop people off. And he's saying to people, hey, don't drop them off here. Take them straight to the Montaigne Center. Don't stop here. Take them straight to the Montaigne Center. Well, then he sees cars coming by with nobody in them. So he's flagging them down, hey, 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 hey. And they pull over, roll down the window, and he looks in the car, he's like, yeah, you can hold five, get in this line right here. And the people are like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, yeah, just get in this line, just get in this line right here. And they're like, okay, so they get in the line. Next thing you know, we got our own mandatory Uber service going on from everybody that drives by. They're just, they're looking up, they got like eight people and all of their stuff and dogs and cats and everything else is piled in their car. And they're like, what do you want me to do with them? Just take them to Montaigne Center. Go as fast as you can. Hurry before they're closed. Yes, sir. And they're taking off. So we hauled hundreds and hundreds of people as fast as we could. And late that evening, we're, we, uh, I get the phone call from one of my van drivers. And he says, Pastor Renner, they've locked the doors. We can't take anymore. He's like, what do we do? I, and I said, you, you can't drop them off there. I said, just bring everybody and bring them back. So this is, I don't even know what time, late in the evening. It, it's time, it, it was dark. That's all I can tell you. And uh, so I say to my staff, I said, guys, we're going to have to prepare to house 200 to 250 people tonight. I don't even know exactly how many, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to assess the situation. I need you to count how many people are here, plus how many are coming back in the cars and the vans that were en route to the Montaigne Center. And then I need you to go find out what kind of supplies we have. I need to know how many blankets we have, how many pillows we have, what do we have. And then we've got to figure out how to feed these people because they're starving to death. And so many of them, we had already ran out of food before they got there. And I said, I need you to go assess how much food we have. Well, I already knew we had about 10 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a couple of fruit cups. That's all we had left. They go walk in the door, and they don't hardly get in the door to assess the situation. I'm standing outside, and I turn, and a big Mack truck comes pulling in the parking lot. No trailer on it, just the truck. I'm like, who's pulling in my parking lot now? If they're dropping more people off, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then another truck comes pulling in behind them, a, a three-quarter ton, and then another truck comes pulling 
And when I see there's about a 25-foot barbecue pit trailer on the back. And they just pull up and park and start getting out. And I'm like, who are these people? What is going on right now? So finally, we walk over there and I realize, I start talking to the truck driver. I'm like, who are you? And she said her name was Samantha. And uh, she's from Houston. She'd been working over there. She drives trucks. Her and her boyfriend or husband, whatever they were, they drive trucks. Well, they got disconnected from Houston, couldn't get home. So they were just using their personal truck out in Finette, where I live, to pull people out of the water. And she said, I don't even really know where we are right now. I just know we had a hotel. We got to the hotel and realized we're starving to death. There's nothing open. So we were just driving around looking for food. And we saw this truck and this trailer on the side of the road cooking. So we pulled over and asked them if they were selling food. The owner of the trailer is a 15-year-old kid. He's a 15-year-old teenage boy. He owns the truck and the trailer, and he's got two older gentlemen, electricians, that drive him around. They're from Lufkin, which is about two hours north of us. And so she says, are you selling food? They say, no, ma'am. We're just looking for somebody to help. She says, well, follow me. We're going to go find somebody to help. They're, neither of them are from our area. And they just start driving around. They see people out in the parking lot in our church. They make the U-turn through the water, and they come back, and they pull into our parking lot literally three minutes after I said to our people, go assess because we're going to have to take care of these people. They pull in. He had 600 pounds of pulled pork. He had been cooking for eight hours. Next thing you know, we're feeding people the best barbecue I have ever had in my entire life. I don't know if it was really that good or if I was really that desperate and hungry. I'm just telling you, it, it was amazing. And they fed everyone there until they couldn't eat anymore, fed first responders, and then went and sent them and fed another shelter. Uh, but it was one of those things where, I, I kid you not, I felt like Jesus looking at the 5,000 and the disciples said, what do we do? And Jesus said, tell me what you have. And then he multiplied it like that. It was minutes, and neither of these people are from my city. No one sent them to Triumph Church, except the Holy Spirit took them there at that moment. So we got through the night and got about everyone to shelters and immediately went trying to help homes. And you guys know much of what we're doing. I'm going to tell you um, uh, one more story. Are you okay for one more story? It's a short one. Okay. I could tell you stories all day long because they don't end. Um, uh, my, my youth pastor in Beaumont, they live in, a, in a, a, a home right over behind the Beaumont church and it's completely flooded. The whole area is flooded. The water is almost up to the Beaumont church now and um, I got a lot of employees that are flooded over there and just families and, and the, the churches, we're just using a staging area and all we can. And the water went out in Beaumont um, in the middle of the night. The night we had all the evacuees, that created another massive problem because now you have no, the biggest city has no running water. We just got clean water back last Sunday. And so this creates a whole, uh, a huge another bit of problem. But my youth pastor, they evacuated in the middle of the storm him and his wife and his three kids and went through uh, chest deep water wading out to get out of their neighborhood where one of my other employees was waiting with the truck and uh, so a couple of days later we're finally able to go, get back in but the water's still so high and some friends of mine um, from Covenant Church in Dallas Pastor Stephen Hayes and uh, Christian Hage and a few others showed up with some boats and so I said can y'all just take them to check on their own home 
and see if we can help anybody in that neighborhood. And so they go in, and when they're driving down in the boats, going down through the neighborhood, they take a six-foot paddle, Pastor Stephen does, sticks it down as far as he can with his hand down in the water and can't touch the ground. We estimate the water was somewhere between 10 and 12 feet on their street. And by a miracle of God, it got all the way up to the door. Everyone in the neighborhood is flooded except for his, our house there, the, his house, and, and one other across the street. It's the peak of the, the road, and, and they weren't flooded. It was just a total miracle. But while Pastor Brandon was driving in, they're just pulling people in the boat and helping them. And this older African-American gentleman gets in, uh, gets in the car. Now, you have to understand the area that I live in is one of the most racially divided areas in the entire country. It's extreme and it's very serious. And this gentleman gets in the boat and he's standing there and, you know, they're, they're easing back to the houses and helping people. And he suddenly, he turns to Pastor Brandon and he says, sir, he said, I got to tell you, I've hated white people my whole life. He said, but this storm has made me realize something. There are really good people in every race. And I'm sorry for what I've felt. Out of all of this, out of this storm, I've seen some amazing things. I have seen, at least for a moment, and, and I, I pray that you would pray this with me, that somehow God would use this storm because just for a moment, the racial divide is not there. No one cares right now. No one's asking where the food came from or, or, or what your motive is behind it. No one, no one cares. And, and my prayer, and please pray this with me, because if you had lived in my city, you would understand. It's, it's, it's extremely divided. May this storm, if anything good could come from this storm, let it heal. Let it heal. Let it do what what we haven't been able to do somehow through when God says he'll take it and turn it for his glory let his glory shine through this and that's one of my prayers the second is this um, I have never seen the body of Christ work so hand in hand as I have in this storm I've never seen anything like it from, from outside our city and especially within our city. Remember, uh, so, so just as divided as we are racially in our city, the churches are divided. We, 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 they're there, we know about each other, but no one really wants to work together. There's such fear that if I work with you, my members are going to go to you, and it just, it, it's a mess, and it, it, it's all, it's just bad. And yet somehow I, the body of Christ has responded so quickly and so much more efficiently than, than the government. I'll just give you an example. In Bridge City, one of our longtime elders, how long has the Godiers been elders with us? 28 years or so? Long time, 30 years, uh, and they've been there forever. Well, she's a city councilwoman in Bridge City. And she immediately goes to work. I can't get to her. She can't get to me. But she goes to work with a local church there. They set up a, a distribution center. And they're meeting in the needs of the city within hours after the storm. And we're sending her trucks. And she's getting trucks. And, and they're meeting the needs of the city. And the mayor comes in and says, you're shutting this down. We're going to run it all through the city. And I love her. She's the sweetest lady. She's been here a, a lot of times. Her name is Terry Goday. She's like, Mayor, I love you. And you're going to do a great job. But she said, at the moment, 
where the government is ready to do what the church is already doing, we'll be happy to shut it down. But until then, the church is going to meet the needs. And the churches in our area have responded everywhere, and they're doing what the government can't. And they're just, the government is a big, huge battleship, and it takes a long time to turn a battleship. But you know what? The body of Christ is a body, and we can respond so much quicker. And in this hand, we've got one need, and in this hand, we're meeting one need. And somehow it's all working together, and churches that never talk are on the phone every day. And I've got this, and you need it, and, and you've got that, and I need it, and it's, and it's working. And the body of Christ has been incredible. We're working with churches every single day that I haven't spoken with in years, and, and yet we're able to connect and do great things. And I love that the body of Christ has come together. The, the third thing that I see is um, the church has never been the church anymore. And I'm talking about the individuals. We've never been the church more than we have in the last three weeks. The Sunday you guys were getting hit here, none of us had service. We had online service, if you can remember. I don't, did any of y'all watch uh, Needleton and Beaumont service that week? I, I know we had a lot of people checking in from our different campuses that couldn't watch here. And God put it on my heart. I'm in the middle of a series, and it was weird to continue a series in the middle of a storm. But God really put it on my heart to go ahead and preach this message. And it was from the book of James, chapter 1, where, where James is... Uh, challenging us not just to be hearers of the word but, but to be doers of the word and and if you want to have a faith that works you don't just hear it you have to do something with it I had no idea that that was not just a message but it was a prophetic challenge to our people volunteerism is through the roof church people are coming out and working with other churches I mean we're working one day and another church down the street is flooded and their volunteers couldn't even get to their church so they just came and showed up at our church and said we just want to clean your church so you can have church on Sunday you keep doing what you're doing they said un unbelievable but the church people are going to work the church people are meeting needs. They're seeing a need and they meet it. The church people are sharing the gospel. The church people are they're praying with others. They're, they're pastoring people. I told my church last week, just pastor people. They looked at me crazy. I'm not a pastor. No, but Paul said we are ambassadors for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So go be ambassadors. And I want to challenge you with the same thing as we live through difficult times. And you know, I don't even know what's going on in the world. I'm hearing tale of earthquakes and North Korea and, and Irma. And we don't even have time to watch the news where we are. Uh, but here's what I want to tell you. Be ambassadors for Christ. Pastor people, love people, care for people. You say, well, I don't know what to say, Pastor Random. You know what? The disciples didn't know what to say either. And Jesus sent them out. And in Luke chapter 12, they're like, we don't know what to say. What are we going to do when we face people that are arguing with us? And Jesus said, in that very hour, the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. So you just, just, just reach out to people and love people. And, and well, they haven't lost everything. It doesn't matter. People are in need of the love of God right now more than they ever, ever, ever have. I want to challenge you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm going to give you five things really quickly that I think we should all be doing. Five things. I'm going to try to go through them as quickly as I can. I, I, don't, I don't even have my notes open. Um, uh, are you all all right this morning? 
Okay, if y'all want me to stop talking, just tell me to stop talking. Um, if it's okay with you, it's a little healing for me to talk to you about it. Okay. Jesus said in John chapter 13, I'm sorry guys, y'all just going to have to hang with me on my, on my notes here. John chapter 13, verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. The first thing I want to challenge you to do, the first thing I want to challenge you to do is love everyone. Doesn't matter if you know them. Doesn't matter if you don't know them. Doesn't matter if they look like you or they don't. Doesn't matter where they're from. Doesn't matter what they're going through. Love through love everyone. This is how the world knows that we are disciples of Jesus. By loving everyone. Love is not just the flutter of your heart that you feel when your husband brings you flowers. It's not that, just that emotion that you felt on your wedding day. The reason that Jesus can command this is because it starts with the decision in our own mind. Love is a decision that you make. I will love everyone. It isn't just like, well, it feels good to love today. No, no, that's the feeling of love. But Jesus is giving us a commandment here. That's why he called it. This is the new commandment. Not this is the new, if it feels good, go ahead and do it. No, this is the new commandment. Love everyone. I love what John said in John, 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. You don't love, you don't know God, for God is love. Now, these, these words here, and if you have these, these Greek words, I want you to put them up on the screen for me. Uh, I can't really even begin to say them. But here's the word, here's the Greek words, and, and it means those who are loved, let us love. Now, how many have ever heard of the word agape or agape love? It's the God kind of love. Now, I want you to note in these, in these two Greek words what the root word is. I know it's Greek, it's not English, but root words much are, work very much the same way in Greek. No, notice right here, agape, T-O-I, you got me, and then agapo, men, right? That's because the two root words are the same word that we use for God's kind of love. Here is what John is writing to us. Those who have been loved by God in God's way of giving, receiving love, I want you to turn around and love people exactly like God has loved you. How did God love you? God loved you before you ever loved him. He loved you regardless of whether you turned to him or not. He loved you unconditionally. He also loves you without expecting to receive anything from you. So here's what, here's what John is saying. For those of us who were loved before we ever did anything to deserve it, those of us who were loved by God before we ever loved him, those of us who were loved by God who God didn't even expect to receive anything from us. That's how we should love other people. Love them before they love you. Love them even when they can't return it. Love them even when they refuse to turn them in. For those who have been loved by God in this way, you love others. Then he goes on to say, if you don't love, you don't know God. The word know there is experience. It means to experience God. When you experience God, when you are forgiven 
there is a deposit of love that happens in your heart. And when you know him, you know what love is. Have you ever seen someone that was just a total sinner, evil, ugly, mean person, nobody wanted to be around them, and yet God really got a hold of their heart, they gave their life to Jesus, and suddenly this big tatted up guy is just hugging on everybody and crying all the time? Have you ever seen that before? That's because they suddenly have experienced a love that they've never felt before because it came from God. And the natural response when you know that love, when you experience that love, is to want to share it to other people. So my encouragement to you is make sure you're receiving that kind of love from God on a regular basis because if you're not showing it, it means you haven't experienced it lately. It's one of the reasons why coming to church is so important because we get back in this place where we feel the love of God, not just feel the love from a, of the people around us, but we feel the love of God. We experience it, and then we can share it with others. Love everyone. It's a command. It's a command. Number two is this. Uh, give grace freely. Give it away freely. Give it away freely. Um, we have this kind of running joke, um, and it's not funny, and, and yet you have to find some places to laugh in the middle of when you're going through what we're going through, right? And so it's called hurricane rules. Hurricane rules apply to things like eating. When there's a shortage of food, you eat whatever you can, whenever you can. It also takes a whole lot of sugar to get through a storm. I don't know about you, but I severely underestimated how much sugar it was going to take for me to get through uh, Harvey. It takes a lot of sugar. And so I just pray, and I'm going to pray this for you too. And if you don't want it, that's fine. But for those that do, my prayer has been, Lord, we're under hurricane rules right here. So we're going to intake whatever we can and as much as we can because we don't know when it's going to come, uh, where the next meal is going to come from at times. So Lord, will you take all the calories and when you send them to the people in California who are skinny anyway? How many of you want that prayer right there? That's like, uh, like, listen, no one's going to the gym right now in my city. No one's like, man, I'm watching my weight and, and I'm only eating chicken and eggs. You can't find chicken and eggs. What are you talking about? You eat like pizza again. Listen, Domino's the only thing open, man. I'm sorry. Uh, another peanut butter and jelly? Oh, my goodness. Hey, listen, we got bread and we got peanut butter and we're spreading the jelly out as thin as we can. I mean, it, like... Like you eat what you can eat. It's hurricane rules, and 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 the, and the and different rules apply. You know what I think we ought to do in in times like these around our world, we ought to give grace quicker and more often and, and, and more of it than we ever have before. Just give it away. Just give grace away. Yeah, but they treated me wrong, Pastor Randon. Yeah, but but you don't know what people are going through. You don't know where they are. You don't know what's happening right now. Just give them grace. Why? Because you're going to want to be treated with grace. Here, here, here's what Peter said to us. He said in 1 Peter chapter 4, Most of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Give them grace and let that love of God that's in you flow through you and give grace and cover all types of sins. Jesus went on in Matthew chapter 7 and he said, Do not judge others for you, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. What Jesus is talking about here in his day, the, the, the rabbis had this very common teaching. And the teaching was that there were basically two standards of measurement, two scales 
uh, two measures. One was the, the standard of justice. You did this, so you deserve this. Because of this, that should happen to you. This is what the Pharisees often taught, and it's often what they, they forced upon the people. Then there was another standard called the standard or the measure of mercy, the standard of grace. And so here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, you have two options. Remember, he's speaking to Jewish people at the time who knew all these teachings. And so when he's talking using the word standards and measures, they immediately know what he's talking about. And he's saying, you have two options. You can use the standard of justice much like the Pharisees do. But when you choose to use that standard, that same standard, that same measure, that same scale is going to be used against you. So to the Pharisees, if you're going to hold people down to the very letter of the, the smallest law, you better be get, get prepared because it's going to be used on you also. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor Randon. They deserved it. They did this and they did that. I understand. But let me ask you this question. Have you messed up this week? Because if you have, I don't think you want to use the standard of justice. On the other side, there is this standard, this measurement, this scale, if you would, that is the scale of grace and mercy. And so Jesus is saying, you pick the scale. You pick it. Whichever one you decide to judge others with is exactly what is going to be used against you. If you use the standard of, of, of justice, it's coming against you. But if you try to use, if you decide to use the standard of grace and giving people grace, remember to whatever measure, whatever degree you judge with, if you judge with grace, giving it away freely, that's what's going to happen to you as well. Give it away freely. Don't hold on to it. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. The the Bible works, the kingdom of God works on this principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you will also reap. It's what Jesus is talking about here. If you sow grace, you're going to reap grace. Yeah, but Pastor Randon, you don't understand. I, I I don't need to. I don't need to. I know what I'm going through. I know what I'm dealing with. I know how many times I've had to apologize in the last three weeks. I cannot afford to hold anyone else to a standard of justice for fear that I'll be held to the same thing. Give grace freely. Number three is real simple. It's really simple. Refuse to be offended. Refuse to be offended. Proverbs 19 and 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger. Good sense. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. When you overlook offenses, it makes you better than you were. It, it, it lifts you up. It lifts your spirit. It, it changes you. But when we're quick to anger, we don't have any good sense at all. Just no sense. My grandpa would say, is your mind weak? There are opportunities to be offended every single day. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Randon, I have not had an opportunity to be offended. The day is still young. Every day of my life, I have to make a decision. 
will I be offended by this or will I not? Somebody didn't say the right thing. The pastor didn't check on me. Somebody didn't talk to me. No one cared. Uh, uh, they overlooked me. I didn't get the promotion. You did this and that, and I have an opportunity to be offended. You have a decision to make. Will you be offended or will you not? You know, when Jesus was sending word to John the Baptist, he was sending word to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist, he was at the end of his life. He's about to die for the sake of Jesus, and he has a choice to make. They either cut off my head or I deny Christ and I live. And he sends his disciples, he says, will you just make sure that Jesus is the one? We just, go, just go, just please. Now, John the Baptist is already the one that, that, that declared this is the Son of God. But now he's at the end of his life, and it's getting very real. He's about to be beheaded if he doesn't uh, walk away from Jesus. And he, they said, Jesus, go send his disciples. Is, is he the really one? And Jesus says, go tell John the Baptist the lame are, being, uh, are walking, the sick are being healed, the dead are raising to life, and people are being offended because of me. And yet they're, not, they're choosing not to be. They're blessed because they're choosing not to be. And choosing not to be offended in Jesus' mind is on the same level of miracle is like raising the dead. He puts it in the same list. You, you can go read it. He puts it in the same list. It's like Luke chapter 12 or whatever. He puts it in the same list. Because it's hard not to be offended. It's so much easier to just take on the offense. And, and so Jesus is saying, don't be offended. Choose not to be offended. I want to encourage you in these times, in these difficult times, if we're walking around with a bunch of offended Christians, upset and hurt Christians, upset at everybody, if we're upset at each other, how are we ever going to show our love, the love of God to the world? Jesus said, you'll know me. They'll know you are my disciples because you love each other. Everyone was already offended with each other in his world. He said, if you get along and refuse to be offended and love each other, then people will really know you're walking with me. Refuse to be offended. Refuse to be offended. And the last one, or, um, how many did I tell you I was going to give you? What am I on? Okay. Number four then. First Thessalonians uh, 5 and 11. So encourage each one another and build each other up just as you are already doing. Here's number five is lean on your church. There are so many things ready to pull us away from God, pull us away from the house of God, and yet we have to make a decision to lean on the church. The Hebrews said, let us think of ways. Let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works. And do not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. You know what? Instead of allowing the world to pull us away from church, not only should we not neglect the meeting together, but we ought to be spending time every day thinking about ways to motivate the people around you. Have you checked on your church members lately? Have, have you asked them about their family? Have you asked them what they're going through? Have you asked them if you could pray with them? Have you reached out to your own church? He said, don't neglect each other, but think of ways to motivate each other. You can do something to help somebody else. Don't let the problems of the world disconnect you from church, but through it all, choose to be strengthened by your church that we can go out and be the church to the world. Are you with me? Number five, and this one's my favorite, if he, if, if, and it's simply be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
This is not a message on drinking or not drinking. I know some of you are like offended already. <laughs> God, we, that was number three. Refuse to be offended. It was, it was the, it, it was the most mind-boggling thing for me during the storm, and I posted about it, and I got so many attacks. People don't understand my sarcasm sometimes, but I'm literally. I'm, I'm talking to people and people are pulling up at the church and I'm seeing on their Facebook and you have a chance to grab a trash bag full of your most prized possessions and get out of your house on a boat. And people are like, kids, check. Beer, check. And that's it. And they're out the door. I'm like, you don't... No, I'm not kidding. People are showing up at the church like popping Coors Lights. And I'm like, that's all you could think to get out? Was it out? Like, uh, and so I posted about it just, I mean, just in shock. Like, that would never be the first thing I would go to. And I started getting attacked. Pastor Randy, you don't understand. We're trying to get through a storm here. We've lost everything. We need the, the Miller Lite. I'm not, I finally just deleted the whole post. I'm like, first off, you don't understand my sarcasm. Secondly, I'm not mad at anybody for drinking. It was just mind-boggling to me that if all you were going to grab out of your house, you got the beer. Is that not crazy to anybody else, just me? I like, like, and I'm getting blasted on Facebook over. I'm getting like, Jesus drank wine. I know Jesus drank wine. I know he turned water to wine. I'm not, this is, it's not about that. It was just... But here's the, here's the point, and, and, and in the world we're living in today, this, this is what I want to encourage you with. <laughs> I told you, you got to find places to laugh. And then we, you know, so, so, so this is what I want to encourage you with. The, the point is this. When we're going through difficulties in life, we can look for places that help us escape and help us cope. And so don't turn to the vices in your life. Alcohol, drugs prescription medications and on down the list it could be turning to violence and anger as a means of of coping and dealing it could mean to just just ignoring it and shutting it all off but there's a lot of ways that we cope and we're trying to deal with everything and and here's what i think that, that scripture is saying because this is what god just dropped in my spirit tell people don't turn to other things to help them get through but turn to the holy spirit Pastor Randall said, I can't have a glass of wine. I said, ah, that's another sermon for another day. No, but don't make the, the, the bottle your source. Make the Holy Spirit your source. I love this word when he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the, the actual grammar there, the, the Greek, means to be constantly filled. I am pouring out Holy Spirit everywhere I go. The fruit of the Spirit is just being released every single day. Here's what God is saying. Come to me and let me fill you again. Well, I'm feeling dry. That's the point. Get filled again. The point is not to fill your cup with the Holy Spirit and then protect it so it can never be given out. No, the point is, fill me, Holy Spirit, and then just go splash it on the world. And then come back to the source and say, fill me again and go throw it on the world. Fill me, Holy Spirit, and say, hey, you're thirsty. Come drink of some of this and, and take in the Holy Spirit. We are the mechanism that God is trying to use to get the Holy Spirit and hope and help and, and, and assurance and, and the good news to the world. So don't hold it for yourself. 
yourself and, and walk around and, and, and want to do the real slow walk so you don't spill it. No, no. Let it spill out everywhere. Let it spill out at the grocery store. Let it spill out, spill out at work and at school. And, 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 and when, the, when the waitress is taking too long to get your food, don't let anger spill out, but let love and, and grace and, and goodness and kindness and gentleness. Why don't you take that moment instead of not giving her a tip? Why don't you just write a little prayer on the receipt and say, I want you to know I'm praying for you today. And God's going to be with you. You never, ever know. You don't know what they're going through. So let's be filled so that God can flow through us. Rivers of living water. Rivers don't stop. They flow through. Don't be a dam. But be a river that just keeps flowing. I'm, I'm closing now. And... Um, Here's what I want to do. I, I, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us once again. I don't know where you are, but I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to, just to fill us. He's, he's in the room right now, and He's here to, to work and to help us and to fill us. Holy Spirit, you're so good to us. You never fail. You're always here, so we come with open arms, ready to receive. We receive you now, Holy Spirit. We receive more of you. Lord, we're not going to turn to other things, but we're turning to you this morning. We receive you today. We receive you today, Holy Spirit. Fill us, oh God. We worship you today. My God. Thank you, Jesus. My God, how great you are. How great, how great you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My God, how great you are. How great, how great you are. Just sing this quietly if you know it, and let the Holy Spirit refill you, recharge your batteries. My God, how great you are. How great, how great you are. How great, how great you are. 